Well, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo again. So today we are going to talk about U.S.-Chinese relations. We are going to talk about the meeting that occurred, the agreements that were reached, and where things go from here. Um, sadly, uh, there, there's no way to talk about this meeting without talking about the, the former president as well. Um, because both of the agreements tie back to him, one in a funny way and one in a, well, they were cleaning up his mess kind of way. Okay, so the meeting was between Biden and Xi Jinping. Um, the two agreements that were reached, we'll start with the one that I know Gen Z has been concerned about. Um, the hotlines, the red phone type of thing, those are back. The agreement's in place now. Um, that was a foregone conclusion ever since the whole, you know, float around and find out balloon thing. Um, but those, the agreement's in place. They will be reinstituted and improved. So it's all good news there. Uh, one thing that is worth noting is that Normal presidents want their their military to talk to other nuclear powers to, uh, you know, lessen the risk of nuclear war. It is worth noting that the previous president kind of referred to this as treason um, because, well, foreign policy wasn't exactly his strong suit. Okay, the other thing had to do with fentanyl. If you remember, back in 2019, Trump said that he was going to stop it. He, he was going to stop it, and to stop it, he was going to put some tariffs on China. The tariffs went into place, and, you know, all of us paid more for things, contributing to inflation and all of that stuff. Uh, but the, the flow of the precursor chemicals did, did, didn't stop. Um, and a lot of that had to do with how Mr. Art of the Deal approached the situation. Biden ha has reached an agreement. The Chinese government will, will begin curtailing the shipment of precursor chemicals. Okay. Um, that's the one that's probably going to get the most coverage, but it's probably not the most important. It's it's very visible in the United States, so people are going to talk about it. And then there's there's the fact that prior, just prior to this meeting, Chinese state media started making fun of Trump and his foreign policy initiatives. Um, they said uh, that Trump's Trump's actions could be compared to, quote, lifting a stone only to drop it on one's own foot. We have a, a saying like that in the U.S. as well. Um, so that, that's that been resolved as well. One of the other things that came out of this was just very candid, open conversation, which is important. It it's It's worth remembering that if you live in a country, if you're an American, you view the rest of the world through American eyes. Um, 
And if you're Chinese, you view the world through Chinese eyes. And the U.S. and China are very, very, very different. They, they don't look at the world the same way. They don't look at their place in the world the same way. Uh, recently, I said that, you know, China is very happy with its place in the world. And there were a lot of questions about that. China doesn't want to be a country that is involved in every other country on the planet. They want to make money. That's what they want to do. They want to get their power through power coupons, not through military force and being a master of the universe the way the United States does. Um, they just have a different view of things. And that it goes to the type of country that it is, you know. China is not a nation of immigrants. In the United States, when something happens in another country, there are citizens of the U.S. that have a vested interest in it. Not so much the case there. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because this is something the, the Chinese president said. China has no plans to surpass or unseat the United States, and the United States should not scheme to suppress or contain China. The short version here is China is saying, you can have all of that political power. Don't mess with our money. That's really the conversation that's occurring. Don't mess with the economic power. Um, and that's not... That is not an unreasonable situation to develop. It's really not. In the past, with the first Cold War, both major groups, they wanted to be masters of the universe. It was ideological, more so. Um, this is one that could eventually... If the cards are played right, this is something that could turn into a very a very beneficial coexistence. Competition, but not conflict, if that makes sense. Um, and hopefully, more conversations like this could put us on the track to get there. The other thing that's important about the hotline is that it allows both countries to posture militarily without, you know, running the risk of actually starting a war, which is cool in my book. Um, as an example, let's say the United States. Its fleet is going to sell by country Y, and country Y looks to China as their, their protection. They're, they're, they're in China's camp, okay? And country Y calls up Beijing. They're like, hey, this is making us really nervous. So China picks up the hotline, calls the United States. It's like, hey, we're going to do some flybys on that fleet of yours. And this is where the U.S. does the foreign policy equivalent of, dude, come on. And the Chinese are like, no, we're, we're, we're going to do that. And the U.S. is finally like, okay, fine, we'll turn the C-Rams off. And that's it helps avoid conflict during posturing. Those types of things happen all the time, and they're not supposed to lead to conflict. It's a, uh, it's, 
shuffling your chips, shifting your cards back and forth. It's not actually supposed to be something that could lead to a war. Um, and as long as there's open communication, the likelihood of something like that spiraling out of control is greatly lessened. So overall, just from what we know so far, this is a win. Um, this is a foreign policy win. All of this is good news. Even if nothing else is accomplished, this is a, a success. Anyway, it's just a thought. Y'all have a good day.